Good afternoon on a beautiful Sabbath day. This day has so much rich meaning in God's plan, picturing a time of a thousand years of peace on this earth. That seems pretty far-fetched at the moment, but it's not very far away, and it certainly is going to happen. And we have a, a little microcosm of it every seven days to contemplate these things. Tuesday evening at 7.30, we'll have a New Moon Bible study. Tuesday evening, 7.30. That's the month that I got backwards, and it was a day earlier than I had originally uh, thought when we examined very closely. It was one of those days where it was only a few minutes difference, and uh, it was a little confusing, but I think we got it right finally. <coughs> I see I have a beautiful rose up here. appreciate the kindness and thoughtfulness. Maybe someone just thought it would be nice to have something up here worth looking at. <laughs> Boy, that was a loud laugh. <laughs> well, last week we went into the Day of the Lord. <clears throat> and examine quite a few scriptures about it. And we're told we should not fear the day of the Lord and what is coming there. We're to fear God who can protect us. Uh, and I think it raised some questions in terms of just what and when is the day of the Lord. Uh, it's described as we saw in many scriptures as being a dark day of darkness and gloominess, the sun withdrawing its light and the moon as well, in a time of great trouble. But I think we had quite a few actually unanswered questions and just a very brief going over of those scriptures uh, to show us that we not, need not fear it and the day of the Lord actually encompasses maybe more area than we have thought. Uh, we try to pin things down in a certain time area, but we're going to look at some scriptures today to show that there is a period of time that is larger than what we might have thought as the official day of the Lord, and maybe it is in one sense still official, but uh, when God begins to intervene is when His day really begins. And things intensify from that beginning and get bigger and bigger and darker as it goes until it reaches its climax. And we'll see some scriptures today that indicate that. One of the difficulties we have, really, is we like to lay things out uh, nose to tail. This happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. We like that because we like to be able to think in sequence and not be confused. But... God has set this up in such a way that you really cannot do that completely. 
I remember going to a three-ring circus when I was a kid. They still had them around then. And something started in this ring, and then something started in this ring, and then the next ring started, and you're sitting there trying to see what all is going on. And then something stops over here, and something else starts in its place, and you have stuff coming and going all the time, and it's hard to keep up with. Where does this begin and end? And it's almost bewildering to watch that many things at once. Your mind says, why don't you just get one big ring and do one thing and then do another thing? But they keep your excitement level and your interest up by you having to watch three or four things at once. And this end time picture... uh, I think it's a little like a three-ring circus, but it might be more like a seven-ring. Uh, an awful lot going on. And one starts and doesn't finish until another thing starts, and another thing starts. And therefore, it can be, and will be, bewildering. I mean, it can be bewildering ahead of time, trying to put all the scriptures together and figure it out. But when it starts happening, and it has, really, uh, it just gets more and more confusing as it goes. This piled on top of that, piled upon something else. Uh, So, the book of Revelation is kind of like that as well. It talks about this, and then that, and then this, and then that. And some of the things that you tie together with chapter 3 or 4 might be mentioned again in chapter 15 or 16. So it's, it's, you can't put the book of Revelation one event after another. There's a lot of flashback and a lot of things going on at the same time. And here's John. Imagine yourself at a three-ring circus trying to describe to somebody else, somewhere else, what's going on here. And you might start describing ring one, and then you look over, and you you say something about ring two, and then ring three, and by then you kind of left ring one hanging, and you go back to it, and here he is seeing all these events occurring, and he's trying to write it down for us to read. And you can't write everything at once. I mean, you write a letter to somebody, you address one issue, you address another issue, another issue. You can't say it all at once. So he had that problem, seeing all these events occurring, and then I think God obviously inspired him to write it down in such a way, in the way that he saw it, uh, to be presented to us. But then we have to kind of sort through it and try to figure out what's happening in which ring at which time. So it does present some challenges, and I think God did that to a great degree on purpose so that people would be taken and snared and confused and not be able to understand. And even the book of Daniel, I think he underlines that by saying, seal it up to the end, Daniel. This isn't even to be understood until then. And 
I think parts of Daniel are coming clearer, but there's some things in there I still don't have a clue about. Uh, they just haven't been opened yet. Take, for instance, there where it talks about coming to the end of days, and we see 1260 ending, uh, the three and a half years of the witness, and the first resurrection occurring. But then Daniel talks about 75 more days, a 30 and a 45. He adds to the 1260 to make it 1335. And I found no clue anywhere in the Bible that talks about a 30-day period and a 45-day period uh, separately that then add up to and coincide with the 1260. That's 75 days that so far I can find no reference to, no clue what it's talking about, what events might be occurring. I've assumed that the 30 and the 45 days come ahead of the 1260 because the resurrection is at the end of 1260. But I don't know that. Uh, do those 75 days come after the resurrection? And yet he says you'll be blessed at the end of 1335, and that sounds like resurrection to me. So maybe that 75 does come before. But what it's talking about I don't have a clue, and neither do you. I don't know of anybody that's ever studied the book of Daniel that's ever come up with a theory on that, because there's just nothing to tie it to that I found. I'm sure there is something somewhere, but it's still sealed up until God chooses to show what that's talking about. So there's some things we simply cannot know until it's time for God to show that. And sometime in the future... I'm sure it'll become clear what that means. It's kind of like the seven thunders and what they uttered there in the book of Revelation. I've heard a few theories about what they uttered, but it doesn't say. <laughs> so to me, that's just a big question mark. Uh, there are things like it, that in here. So bear that in mind as we look at some of these things today. Uh, there's some overlap. There's some beginning and ending and overlap, and the overlap gets bigger and bigger as you go, because one event does not end before another begins. And then you've got both going, and then you've got something else on top of that. So, it's a little difficult. The bottom line to that is what I covered last week. If we serve God with all our heart, we have nothing to worry about. So understanding some of these things is mere academic to us if we're doing what we ought to be doing. On the other hand, it helps us to know what to expect so that we can prepare our minds and hearts and emotions before God ahead of time so it doesn't hit us completely in the dark. Uh, it's kind of nice to have some knowledge and understanding of what is occurring and about to occur, because it helps us in our preparation. Uh, it helps us to adjust to not fearing man, which is a natural thing to do, and to adjust to fearing God instead, which is an, in some ways, unnatural thing to do. 
we like to adjust to what we can see. And we can't see God. That's why he gave us this creation around us to see him in. And why he's given us these scriptures to give us some clues. And we look to him for better answers as to what all is going on. Now you, in this room, have a far better understanding of what is going to happen in the world ahead of us. The mainstream media, people in general, have no clue of what's coming. Some of those in the alternative news see handwriting on the wall. They understand that there's great trouble. They understand that there are people who want to destroy us. That much they get, but they don't get where all it's going, where all it's coming from, how far it will go, and many of them look at it from a sheer economic standpoint. They say there's going to be a great crash, but then everything will equalize, and then there will be a better world tomorrow. Uh, you know, you, you, you read these things, and I get far more from the alternative news than I do the mainstream, obviously. But we know things they don't know. They don't know what the Bible is talking about. If they don't even know who the major players are, they cannot figure out what's going on. And there are people like Steve Quayle and, and Mike Adams and, and uh, Dave Hodges and some of these we go to and look at, and there are many, many more than that. Uh, Paul Craig Roberts, he just uh, wrote a beautiful article today about what's happening between Russia and NATO. Uh, so he sees that there's war ahead. But he doesn't know anything else. So what you get there is limited. You have to get from God the real truth. And if you don't know who Israel is, if you think it's some little place in the Middle East, and that's the extent of it, you can't have a clue about world news and world events. And all of those people I just mentioned and more do not buy the idea that America and Western Europe are essentially where Israel is. But when you read the Bible and it talks about what will happen to Israel and what will happen to the Gentiles and how the interaction will be, if you don't know who the major players are, you can't figure out anything. So we're blessed with that overall knowledge, essentially, of where Israel is. We may not know every little country that includes Israelites. Some of Eastern Europe may have a lot of Israelites in it. We don't know. Uh, we've never included Spain and Portugal and Italy and Greece and some of those as Israel. Uh, but those, some of those little countries uh, in there, Lithuania, Poland, are coming into uh, view right now. Whether they're actual Gentiles or part Israelite, I don't know that we can figure all of that out ahead of time. They're Semitic. They're from Shem. They're basically white folks. But they are not white folks of Christianity. Uh, and most of Israel has some recognition, or did have, of the Bible and Christ and so on, although they repudiate who Israel might be. So, 
it's really a mixed bag trying to read them because if you don't understand the Bible, then you're with them. Some of them are totally clueless and some have some clues but don't know what to do with them. We have a lot more clues than they do. And the way I look at it is knowing as much Scripture as I do, I don't know it all, don't understand it all, as I said about Daniel and other places. Don't know it all yet. But we know so much more than they do about what is going to happen and what's coming that we can read mainstream or alternative stuff and compare it with what we know from here and then we can watch as these things we know from Scripture develop. That's the beauty of watching the news is so that we can see clearly that God said this a long, long time ago and now here it is happening before my eyes. There must be a God. That's what to take from that. There is a God who knows what's going on. He's written it down ahead of time. And now as I see it happening, I know He exists. I know He's watching it. He's planning it way ahead of time. He knows everything that's going on and He knows the end of it. Because here we are in some of the beginning stages, toward mid-stages maybe, getting closer every day. And we can see more clearly every day that goes by how these scriptures apply to what we see going on around us. And that should affirm deeply in our minds that there is a superior being. And we need that for faith's sake, for trust, for believing that his promises in the end will come to pass. Now that is important. If we can see way back two or three thousand years ago, and then we can see many of the scriptures written in the Psalms and the prophets coming to pass through Christ's birth and life on this earth, because he referred back to many of those prophecies about himself. It says this is the scripture being fulfilled right here. So here he was pointing at things that had happened long ago and saying, see, this is working. This is happening. Event after event through the years. Now we are 2,000 years later down the road and we see things still happening. And we see some of those things being fulfilled for the second and third time even. So, it should help us have more faith and belief in God. Faith is the thing he specifically said, will I find it? Now, what do the Protestants base their faith on? An idea of a rapture coming before the trouble starts, <laughs> or before it gets intense. And that's all they have. It's just all they have. So they don't have a clue of who the nations are or what is going to happen where. They think all these things are going to be done over in that little country in the Middle East. 
That's where they're looking for Armageddon and all this to happen. Well, we know better. And we see it happening and coming to pass right here before us. So, let's sort of look at some of these events today and get a, maybe we have a pretty good understanding, but let's get a little more overview, maybe, of what is coming. Now, I went through quite a few sermons showing that the United States is the leader of Babylon today. And I think that goes without question. Many of the things in Isaiah 47 and Revelation 18 and so on uh, can only apply to the United States. Now, the United States is also Ephraim. There in Jeremiah 31, Christ said he had changed the order of the births, that he had made Ephraim the firstborn uh, on a spiritual level. It doesn't change what happened physically with Reuben being the first son, but he changes the order to suit his purposes on a prophetic and spiritual level coming down through time. So, in many references, you see Jerusalem mentioned or Samaria mentioned. Uh, and it had reference to the whole nation. People today refer to Washington or London and or Moscow. They're including the government. They're including all of Russia. They're just using the capital as a reference point is all it is. But it's a reference to the whole thing. In many cases, not always. Sometimes they mean that city specifically, but it often refers to the whole country. That's just the capital of it. So, we'll not go over all that again, but I want to go back to Revelation 17 and do a, a brief little review here of some of the things that are coming to pass. And chapter 17, uh, one of the angels that had the seven vials, and it doesn't necessarily mean that this was after all the vials. This is something that is going to occur. And he went through and showed a lot of the horrible things that are going to occur with the seven uh, seals, the seven trumpets, the seven last plagues, and so on. Uh, but here he addresses something that we're watching beginning to happen today. I'll show you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. And I only need to remind you of Ezekiel 16, where God refers to Israel as the great whore. Uh, was committed fornication with all the nations, and she got divorced from Christ as a result of her uh, interaction with the nations of the world instead of looking to her husband for the help that she needed. And here, in verse 2, he says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication, that which she serves to drink for them. Uh, and he carried me into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, 
full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Now, this woman uh, sat upon, we'll see, this scarlet-colored beast. And what's more blasphemous than the name of Satan and his demons uh, before God? There are all kinds of gods of wood and stone, but the only one that really is alive, uh, that is an idol, is Satan and those who followed him. So this will be a beast with blasphemy attached to it. Seven heads, ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So she has made a living then off the nations of the world, right? So, the, the jewels, the wealth, everything she has has come from abroad. You look at this country, and we have profited from other nations, especially since the petrodollar came into existence. And we had an economic advantage over all the nations where they had to use the U.S. dollar. They couldn't buy oil or other things without it. All the exchanges in the SWIFT system went through the U.S. dollar so that even Peru trading with Turkey had to use dollars to settle their debt. So the dollar became the most powerful instrument on earth. And now that is being destroyed. But it describes it beautifully here that it was through these relationships, if you will, with other nations that our wealth came to be. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Interesting, it says Mystery Babylon the Great. Now, people have looked back on the ancient Babylon, and that's no mystery, really, uh, about Nebuchadnezzar and all that went on there. But here in the end time, it's been a mystery to people who Babylon is. And there are some interesting analogies that can be made, and I have no doubt that Satan's system is the true overall Babylon. It is confusion, it is his way, and it encompasses the whole world. But here is the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I think it's easy to see uh, in television and other things <coughs> that the abominations done here have been spread around the world. And there's hardly a more corrupt place on earth than Hollywood. Uh, there's more debauchery and weird sex and weird stuff anywhere on earth than Hollywood. And it has been exported around the world. So a lot of what Israel has done, God couldn't distinguish them from Gentiles there in Ezekiel 16, and says, you're the worst. In other words, you're the mother of all this. You're the beginning of it. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. 
Now that one, in some ways, puzzled me over the years. The United States hasn't persecuted and killed a lot of Christians so far. So how did that fit in the description? Well, it was yet future. (laughs) And now we're beginning to see it coming to pass. That the government in charge, illegitimate though it be, is beginning to persecute anybody known as a Christian more and more and more. And some of those politicians in there, in high places, have said that they're going to do away with Christians and patriots and any other terrorists. They lump them as terrorists. If you're a Christian, in the view of the democratic government of our nation today, you are a terrorist. And they've made it very clear, maybe not using the exact words all the time, that they're going to get rid of all terrorists which means all Christians. The angel said to me, Wherefore do you marvel? And I will tell them the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. Now, the BRICS nations, Brazil, uh, Russia, India, China, and South Africa just announced, a couple days ago I guess it was, that they're going to come out with their own currency, their own among themselves. Uh, the, the Russian ruble has gone from eh, a hardly noticeable currency to the strongest currency on earth quickly gaining traction because they backed it at least partially with gold. The U.S. has been getting rid of gold, and I doubt if there's any left in Fort Knox. There may be some, but it probably belongs to someone else by now. But Russia and China and India have been sopping up gold right and left as fast as they can. Is it because it just has a pretty color and they like to hide it in the bank? No, they're going to use it to back a new world currency that will have something behind it other than just paper. And that's why the Russian ruble is becoming so strong, partly because it's backed by gold, and partly uh, because it can be used as a weapon against the West and against the U.S. dollar. So, The reason I bring that up at this juncture is we're going to see this beast that has seven heads and ten horns. Uh, Heads can mean governments. Horns can mean power uh, from different sources, power of governments, military powers. I don't know exactly how to separate the seven heads and ten horns as we will see it. But we are beginning to see an organization of Gentile nations banding together and coming together to form this beast. They will rule the earth during the times of the Gentiles, which we may or may not get to today. So they have to come from somewhere and into view. So what you're watching is this occurring. 
is starting out with those five nations banding together with a new currency, and they will be joined by others as time goes. Because as the U.S. dollar meets its Waterloo, and it is as we speak, uh, other nations are going to be ready to bail out of it and bail into this new currency, and it will become a world currency. Because these people, led by seven and ten, are going to rule the earth for a short time. And then it talks about how it was, and it's not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, go into perdition, and uh, we don't yet know who all the individuals are here. People have speculated and guessed. I kind of, I mean, I've read books about it being Prince Charles. I've read a lot of things about others, and some have speculated it would be Donald Trump, who was politically alive and then politically dead and comes back. Well, anytime anybody shows up that might somehow seem to fit some of these things, we speculate. But I suspect it'll be a Gentile from a Gentile nation. How could it be an Israelite when Israel is going down and being completely destroyed? It's hard for me to picture these Gentile nations appointing an Israelite as their leader. I have a little trouble with that one. Uh, who knows? Well, God knows, but we'll watch it develop. Anyway, here's wisdom in verse 9. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Mountains are governments, nations. Uh, it was... Speculated that Boutras Gali was the sixth, and Kofi Annan was the seventh, and they've gone on and disappeared. Uh, and so there's a, a new crop of NATO leaders and so on. Uh, who knows? And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And then he stays a short space. So there's some in and out here, and as Daniel says, iron and miry clay are its feet, so it may be that there's some in and some out, uh, because it's not that fully formed and not that much together. Anyway, going on down, verse 12, the ten horns, which you saw, are ten kings, so specific leaders, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour, short period of time, with the beast. Now, the earth as we know it today and the nations as we know them today are going to be changed. I think Daniel makes it very clear that the United States is going to be, be divided into four pieces. And you'll have a different king or a prince over each of those four. So, figuring this all out ahead of time is difficult because you don't even know how the nations are all going to be divided when this occurs. You know, there were a lot of nations who were redivided and reformed and renamed after World War II in Eastern Europe. So a map in 1930 and a map in 1960 were a lot different than they had been. And some of those nation lines are being changed even as we sit here today 
between Russia and Ukraine and some of the nations in Eastern Europe once again. So this thing is forming before our very eyes. And they have power for a short while. But they'll have one mind and give their power and their strength to the beast. So they'll be unified enough to work together and they will give their alliance, their power, their military strength, their political strength to the beast himself. They'll make war with the Lamb, and He will overcome them. Now let's go on down to verse 15. He said to me, The waters which you saw where the whore sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Waters in prophecy, as explained here, represent people in many, many cases. So the beast is going to rule over with these ten kings and nations, all kinds of people. And the ten horns which you saw of the beast shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. God has put in their heart to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled and that woman that you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. That can only be Washington, D.C. <clears throat> London is a follow-up, but Manasseh and London are not the firstborn. Ephraim is, and has taken the forefront and the lead as the ruler of the earth. Through the superiority of the U.S. petrodollar, we have controlled the whole monetary system of the world that is quickly being shattered into pieces. But that's where we have been. And if you said, who's the leader of the world? It wasn't Britain. It wasn't Russia. It wasn't China. It's been us. And we did that by having the reserve currency. Now, Britain had had it for a while. France but for a short while, and it wasn't in the time of great prosperity that we have enjoyed. So, who is going to come out on top? The times of the Gentiles. The Gentile nations are going to rule. Israel is the nation or nations that they hate. Now, if you were to make a list of the world's most hated nations... Who would you put on top? Morocco? You know, Brazil? I don't think so. If you, if you ask people around the world, which nation do you dislike the most, the United States would win hands down. The world, the Gentile world, hates us. They're doing everything they can to destroy the U.S. dollar right now, and they're getting the job done. And they are going to join together to destroy us. How do I know that? Because all these prophecies say so. Ezekiel 5 says, We'll die of famine and pestilence, the sword, and be taken captive. And 90% will die. What does NATO say? Kill them all. That's their attitude toward the United States of America. China said 
We don't want any of them alive. We want to colonize America. We want it to be full of Chinese. So we'll send buses ahead of time. And how many of those people stayed? And how many of them are trained mercenaries and terrorists? I don't know. But they've been coming here by the millions for the last several years. You see them in every national park, full of them. But the Chinese government has said, America will be ours. We're going to kill them all. We don't want them there. So these hate the beast, the whore. I mean, not the beast, the whore. Uh, so it's the nations of the world that she has been riding. She has been the one in control. It's America that has been in control. And now, this beast is ready to buck her off and kill her. That's what they're going to do. So that we know. America is going down. And that is the primary purpose right now of the nations of the world apart from the nations where Israel dwells. is to take us down. It's what they're working on. Who can China pull the rug out from under? They make nearly everything we use. They make the parts for our fighter jets. They make the parts for all of our military machinery. All they got to do is quit shipping us parts and we're toast. That's all they got to do. But they're going to do a lot of other things. That's just one little thing. Russia and China produce most of the urea in the world, which is what is used in DEF, that is now a diesel additive that has to be in every pickup and truck and train and everything on Earth. And we can't make it, apparently. There have been several reports the last few days that the additives to make oil to run diesel engines are no longer available. And that the DEF, the urea-based compound that they put in the trucks, cannot be made available anymore. And diesel fuel itself is getting scarce. So the projection is that within four to eight weeks, since they can't get any more of this, the trucks are going to stop running. They get about 25,000 miles between oil changes and uh, semi-trucks, and some just got serviced, and some will be needing service and can't get the oil, maybe. Freight trains that carry all of the coal that produces electricity will stop because they can't get additives for their oil to change the oil in the diesel engines. If this is indeed true, everything is going to start grinding to a halt in this country in the next two, three, four, five months. Just stopping. Fire trucks, ambulances, airplanes, all use diesel fuel. Aviation fuel is just a slight upgrade over it. We won't be able to make it either. 
or the oil to change the engines. So, they're going to kill the whore, destroyer. And then it goes down, on down to describe how she falls and how we're to come out of her, that we not be part of her sins and her plagues. And gives a pretty good description of America as you go through. So let's, let's let that go with that much. I could go to Isaiah 47 and 8. It's a parallel from the Old Testament. 47 more about Israel and then, no, about Babylon and then Israel and her relationship to Babylon in chapter 48. So it goes through and explains this story somewhat if you want to go back and review it. So we have the fall of Babylon being worked upon right now as we sit. Uh, they started bucking <laughs> and they're going to get us bucked off. Uh, that's just the way that it is. Then we have the gathering of the remnant just, a, just ahead. Uh, at the beginning of the destruction, the utter invasion, let's say, of this nation and Europe. Uh, Jeremiah 50 and 51 go through and explain the whole process. And 50 even starts with people trying to get to Zion and saying, how do I get to Zion? How am I going to get there? I mentioned that last week, I think, in conjunction with whether or not one's going to raise them up like he did Enoch or Elijah. Uh, no, they're going to be on the ground somehow trying to find out how to get to Zion. Uh, they're kind of, in that sense, on their own, with God's guidance, of course, to get them there. Because he stirred them to come, so he'll make it possible for them to get to Zion. So, we have that gathering of the remnant, and I think we're going to see, because Jeremiah 50 and 51 cover it, uh, during this period of time for preparation of the invasion, the things are going to get very, very difficult in this nation. It talks about rumors, and then uh, violence in the land, ruler against ruler. And you see some of that developing right now. Uh, Democrats against Republicans, uh, Congress and the President against the Supreme Court as of yesterday, and a lot of other things that are going on. They're pitting the rulers against each other, and the hate and the emotion is so great that this is going to lead to assassinations. We know this ahead of time because Jeremiah is so kind as to tell us that, written 3,500 years ago or so. So these things are going to begin to happen, and when you have ruler against ruler, that can mean only that civil war is going on. So we are going to have a civil war. Now see, some of these people in the alternative news say the only thing that can happen is a nuclear war between Russia and the United States. Well, that's because, as Paul Craig Roberts said, uh, we don't have enough conventional army in NATO altogether to fight the army of Russia, much less China. So this thing is escalating between Russia and the Ukraine because NATO keeps pushing it. The United States is pushing Europe. 
And Europe isn't liking it because they're getting their oil and gas shut off. And yet, we're the ones that keep paying them in dollars to be our friends. But we're pushing our friends into waters that they don't want to swim in. Because they know that they're not going to have heat and fuel. But you have a little country like Lithuania that we support, and they say, we're going to cut the Russians off. And now Poland has stood up and saying, we're with Lithuania the last couple, three days. And Russia is now threatening both Lithuania and Poland. But Paul Craig Roberts did put it right, I think, that Russia is trying to solve the problems they've had in the Ukraine, and we keep pushing and arming Ukraine, and we're committing acts of war against Russia by so doing. And then other nations were supporting to push them as well. So what, what does that do to Russia? Russia either has to back off and give up her sovereignty and say, we're just a weak little nation, we're going to run home now. Or they have to fight and they have to win. Now, which do you think they're going to do? I don't picture Putin packing up and getting on his scooter and going back to Moscow. I don't think so. Let me read you a scripture. Isaiah 10 comes to mind. Speaking of the Assyrian, Verse 5, O Assyrian, the rod of my anger and the staff in my hand is my indignation. Who is God angry with? Israel. All through the prophecies, his anger is on Israel, not on the Gentile nations. It comes on them later because of what they do to Israel, as is a historic past happening. God would punish Israel by the use of other nations, and then he would punish them for what they had done to Israel, because that wasn't right either on a moral grounds. So all through, the king of the north, the Assyrian, is going to be the one who leads the destruction of America. And I think it's pretty clear now that isn't Hitler, he's dead. And Germany is nothing anymore, uh, politically and militarily, by comparison. Russia appears to be the king of the north and the Assyrian. And he is the rod of God's anger. It is the rod in your hand that you punish someone with. And the one he is going to punish with that rod, the Assyrian, is us. I will send him against a hypocritical nation. Anybody bigger hypocrites than America in the world today? And against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge. The people of his wrath are Israel who have become the great whore. Not only in Ezekiel 16, but at the end time as well. To take the spoil, they'll take everything wealth of wealth that we have. To take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. He's speaking of the United States and Western Europe here treading us as people down like the mire of the streets. 
Now, notice his attitude in verse 7. Howbeit, he means not so. Putin considers himself a Christian. He considers him a good, self a good and moral man. And a lot of people recognize some of those traits in him. But he's not as evil as some think. And maybe he's more evil than some think. Let's read on. He doesn't mean it. And he doesn't, in his heart, think so. So he doesn't think of himself as one of the terrible leaders of the world who will commit genocide. That's not the way he thinks of himself. But it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. So he reads his heart one way, and God says that isn't his real heart. His real heart is to cut off nations, not a few. So the Assyrian is going to do that. And the way it's shaping up, he is the military leader of this whole thing, even ahead of China. China may have a bigger army, and they have terrible armaments as well, but Russia is the one to lead this. And right now they're taking the lead against NATO. Who is that? Israel, basically. It's Israel they want destroyed. So, we're going to have a civil war, people. It's clear in Scripture. It's going to happen. Leader against leader. Violence in the streets. Now, yesterday may have been a landmark day in the forthcoming of the Civil War. I'm sure you've heard the news by now that uh, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, uh, which was in 1973, which first officially uh, okayed abortion, murder of babies. And they used the Constitution to so-called prove that it was okay that a woman was free and her freedoms were guaranteed so she could kill her baby. I don't think that's what the United States Constitution framers had in mind at all. But that's what was laid on us. Now, that's nearly 50 years ago. And there's been some fighting over it through the years. Then <coughs> some... Uh, abortion clinics being bombed or having graffiti written on them and some uh, on the other side as well. So it's been kind of back and forth, but it had essentially settled down and was not a big political football. And it had gotten looser and looser where you not only could abort a baby at 12 or 15 months, you could abort it at the end of nine months. And now more recently, you could kill it after it was born healthy and getting further and further down the line. Now, some people don't want to kill a baby after it's born. Some of them don't want to kill them until they're 13. You know, when, when is it going to stop? <laughs> you know, they keep, they keep getting them older and older when they're still allowed to kill them. But the Supreme Court, just out of the blue, Almost unheralded. Not much was said. There wasn't a great deal of lead up to it. There was a little here and there about it, but not a whole lot. And suddenly they come down with this decision that no more abortion in the United States. 
at least from the federal viewpoint of abortion. Now, states, and what they did was they handed it back to the states. And about half the states, it appears at this point, will agree with abortion, and about half of them will not. Now, there's going to be a great divide. And then there are people going from state to state to get abortions. And now there's a long list of big companies who are supporting abortion and who plan to fly their employees to a different state on their expense for abortions. And among those are some of the huge companies that you and I do business with. And it distresses me. But this could become a very volatile issue that could set the whole thing off. We've only needed a match now for some time. And this could be the one. But Clarence Thomas, who's a black man, Supreme Court Justice, came out at the same time and said, not only do we need to re reverse this, we need to also reverse gay marriage and homosexuality as well. Now, that got Hollywood all upset, among a lot of other people. So, it'll be illegal now for male-to-male, female-to-female sexual relationships. And how far have we gone in this country down those streets? A long, long way. Not only that, he added something else to it, which is incredulous in a way. He says we should also outlaw contraception. The pill, the condom, the patch, the, all this stuff needs to be made illegal as well. Now that's going to upset even more people. This thing could get huge <laughs> if they go through with it. But the battle lines are being drawn, and Joe Biden has already said, this will be reversed, we'll take care of it. He is coming out for abortion, but he grew up a devout Catholic. And the Catholic Church has always been against abortion. Well, maybe he's no longer Catholic. How can you be a Catholic when you have no mind? We could debate some of this. But his handlers behind the scenes have minds. And it's what they want that comes out. So we are poised here with a huge thing that started some riots even last night. And they may grow and get worse through the summer. Where that one will go, we shall see. Now, fuel costs, they say, are going to go gasoline up to about 7 dollars to $10, and diesel fuel even higher. And the truckers have already said, once it gets in the 6 to $8 range, which it is getting there in a lot of places in the country right now. But they have to cease operation. They can't, they can't make a profit. They can't keep the trucks on the road when diesel fuel costs that much. And we're already there. Is this the summer and a fall of unrest? This could get nasty. And if the fuel additive and the ability to make diesel oil to run the engines on dries up and they can't even have the oil, the trucks, the trains, 
Everything's going to stop. Then there's no food delivered. There's no medication delivered. There's no oxygen delivered. There's no nothing delivered when the trucks and the trains stop. It's over. And we're on the edge of that. The food supply right now is being curtailed. These people are ratcheting up the pressure to destroy this nation very rapidly right now. There have been dozens and dozens, even up to hundreds, of food plants and processing centers destroyed, burned, arson, uh, killing chickens, killing turkeys, killing beef. They're destroying the food supply. And they're destroying the supply chain to deliver what's left. And the the world of NATO has already said, let them eat bugs. They've said it, officially. Bugs on the plate. I'm not going to step on another cricket. Man, pull those legs off. Here we go. We're going to eat bugs. They say. And you know what? People will be eating bugs and mice and rats and cats and dogs and each other. Scripture clearly says that. A woman will eat her own baby. I've gone over that and that upsets some people. That's God's Word. And a woman who will eat her own baby is in dire straits beyond anything that you and I can imagine. That, how could your mind go there? How could you do that? You would have to be literally starving to death and so spoiled rotten and so selfish to ever go there. I mean, even back in Elijah's time, remember? The woman didn't eat her son. She says, I'm going to go out and make us a little more food and we're going to eat that and then we are going to lay down and die. Now there's a mother who loved her son. And she wasn't going to eat him to stay alive a few more weeks. But he said, things will get so bad in our spoiled nation where we are all so narcissistic that it will actually come to a mother eating her own child. Does that sound like things are going to get worse? I I see somebody in the alternative news once in a while get on the edge of that. Just because they know that it's happened in Poland and Czechoslovakia and other places during World War II even. World War I. They went to cannibalism. So our food supply is being curtailed. New diseases are being prepared to be unleashed. They've unleashed monkeypox, and they're talking about polio and smallpox coming back. COVID is not the end of it, and COVID is killing a lot of people. It's killing a lot of young people now that have the, the vaccinations. And when I hear of somebody having seizures, perfectly healthy person, I wonder if they had the vaccination. 
like this girl that we have prayed for. She's getting better. But I wonder if she had the vaccination. Maybe not. But if so, this could very easily be the result of that vaccination sometime back. Because that's what's happening. Sudden adult death syndrome. Fads, they call it. Young adults just, bam, falling over. Happening right now. Got a name for it now. They don't blame it on a vaccine, but don't know what's happening. Well, we do. They're trying to kill us all. And at the same time, right now, the United States dollar is being undermined by the sanctions that we put on Russia and other nations. Because they won't now ship their crops and the things that we need from them to us. And we've said that we won't buy from them. So we're shooting ourselves in the head with the sanctions. And they are trading with other people. Russia's hadn't quit selling oil. They're sending it to China. They're sending it to India. They're sending it to other places. And we were, we were importing a lot of Russian oil. They're the second biggest exporter of oil in the world. And now they're just sending it to China at a discount. And we're not getting it. And our own government won't let us drill. They won't let us explore. They won't let us build pipelines. I've said for years, when the petrodollar goes, the economy goes, our place in the world, we become a third, fourth rate nation. So, will this be a nuclear war between the U.S. and Russia? I highly doubt it based on some of these scriptures. If we manage to get started a civil war, and Americans are shooting Americans, and the trucks stop, and they don't have food, and they're going to shoot each other even more, and on and on it goes, until we are a nation that is done. They don't need nuclear wars to invade a nation that has already destroyed itself. China doesn't want nuclear war in here. They want to colonize it all. They want it to be usable. So do the other nations of the world. America has a lot of wonderful places and natural resources. And why do people want to come to America? Because of the wealth that we have had. Now, that wealth is quickly disappearing, but the natural resources are still here that our current government will not let us develop to sustain ourselves. Our government is absolutely against us as American people. I hope we're aware of that by now. Those people in Washington want us all dead because they're taking money from Russia and China and others to kill us. And they're working on it. And some of them don't even need money, like Bill Gates. He's got plenty. He's destroying us just because he wants to make the better world a better place to live. That's his motivation, among others like him. So, 
civil war is just ahead, and I just gave you a list of some of the things that are probably going to help set it off. So you can know that this is about to happen. Not very far away. I didn't get as far down this as I wanted to today. What's 2.15? Let's just stop right there because there's a lot more I want to add. But that gives us a little view at least of the things that are going on right now that could lead to Jeremiah 50 and 51 being fulfilled before our very eyes. And they aren't far off because some of these things they've been kind of pushing behind the scenes for decades. Working it, working it, working it. And now they're pulling out all stops to make it happen fast. They want it to happen fast. So they're speeding up the getting rid of this, the getting rid of that, and adding diseases and other things to make this thing happen fast. What did we just have? A whole series of mass shootings. What's that designed to do? They do this on purpose. They program these people to go do it. That's to stir up the patriots against uh, gun confiscation. Because there's always a scream for take all their guns away after a mass shooting. So when you see a whole bunch together like this, you know they're going to start another push to confiscation. Always happens. So we had a rash of it the last two months. And a call for confiscation. So that stirs up the conservatives and the patriots and the gun owners. Then you have, out of the blue, a Roe versus Wade reversal, which stirs up the other side, the leftists and the liberals. So you got them both stirred up. Now what are you going to do to make them start shooting each other? We'll see. I don't think we have too long to wait because... This stuff's getting faster and faster. You know, you have to think about it now before you drive to St. George. What does it cost you? Four gallons? Six gallons? Times six dollars? Thirty-six dollars just to run to town to pick up a two-dollar part. Does this make any sense? No, it's here. And it's getting worse by the day. And the diesel truckers are starting to say, hey... We can't operate. And then if you add, can't get oil, so we can operate, where does it go from there? We could be on our knees before the turn of the year. I mean, really. If it keeps going at the rate that it's going right now, civil war cannot be very far away. Will it slack off and we get a reprieve for a few months? I don't know. But it seems like they're pushing it awfully hard right now to get it done. We shall see. But we know. Isn't that beautiful? We know where it's headed. And even the alternative news doesn't know that. They don't realize we are Israel. They don't realize all these prophecies have to do specifically with us and the Gentiles destroying us. We know that. So we can watch these things happen, and I can sit here and talk about it, and we know it's true. This is what's going to happen. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. 
It's right here. It tells us where this is headed. So, we better get ready in every way, especially spiritually, for what's ahead.